A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. <laughs> My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God by faith in His Son... <laughs> Right? 2 Corinthians 3 7. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> and... Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 61. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. We could actually almost call this 61 and 62. So I was gone for a week. I took a vacation, did not do any episodes of anything. So I'm kind of playing catch up right now. Um, So there were two. Uh, episodes of Faith and Beliefs that were released by Saints Unscripted, which is what this podcast started out as. It was Faith and Beliefs Refuted, and all I did was respond to the Saints Unscripted uh, section of their podcast of Faith and Beliefs. So that's where this all started up and, and got its beginnings. And then as time went on and other false teachers that were there to be dealt with, I changed this over to the Master's Dog, became this format. And so there you go, background for those of you who are new to the podcast. And so uh, with two videos, I could have done, you know, kind of splice some video together and done both of them together. But what I decided to do, the, the one that was released last week while I was on vacation was uh, the White Horse Prophecy. Uh, and so here in reality, 
Um, I didn't, I'm not even going to talk about it because here's the deal with the white horse prophecy. Supposedly somebody said that Joseph Smith told them that, uh, when he was running for president, there was some prophecy about him and a white horse and, uh, in conjunction with like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, just weird stuff altogether. And, but there's no actual, there's nothing in Joseph Smith's, uh, writings, uh, or any real credible sources that it ever happened. I mean, there's there's like one dude or maybe two dudes who said they heard the prophecy and stuff like that. This comes up anytime a Mormon runs for president. So uh, Mitt Romney, uh, what's the other dude that ran? Uh, Evan McMillan or something like that. The When um, Orrin Hatch was rumored to be going to run... Um, you know, a different guy, I think Romney's dad, uh, George Romney, may have, uh, you know, attempted to run for president at some point in time in the past. And so anytime any of these guys uh, get their, you know, get an idea in their head that they're going to run for president, the white horse prophecy comes up. Because apparently it was, again, something about the presidency, and I don't even remember. I've read it once or twice, read little bits and pieces about it but again david's whole video on the white horse prophecy was simply that it uh it was it there's no real evidence that it was ever given and so not really anything so there you go there's my response to the white horse prophecy it's again there's 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 no real evidence that it ever was ever actually spoken to anybody it's hearsay it is excuse me um it's just something that uh that um not uh, not well prepared uh apologists like to u- try to throw up against the the um, LDS people, whenever someone runs for president and they, they grab this and, and go on and run on a tangent with it. So there you go. That's it. So this week, that was last week. This is this week. I keep hitting these buttons and I keep moving the, uh, start of the video. So sorry about that. Um, this week we're going to talk about, David's going to talk about the Kirtland Safety Society failure. So this is the video we're going to look at. I'm going to let him play and do what we always do. I will let him uh, do his thing and we will respond in kind. Again, I, I, I haven't actually watched this video yet. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I don't know what he's going to say. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes. So. With that, here's David and the Smith, Joseph Smith and the failure of the Kirtland Safety Society. We're going to talk about a very dark time in the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It was dark times, Harry, dark times. It was a period of major apostasy that largely came about because of the failure of the financial institution known as the Kirtland Safety Society. Okay. So as Latter-day Saints congregated in Kirtland, Ohio in the 1830s, they ran into some economic challenges. Inflation caused the price of land and food to skyrocket. After the Saints completed the Kirtland Temple in 1833, the church was deeply in debt. 
Physical money was in short supply, and the closest bank was controlled by critics of the church in Painesville. So Joseph Smith and other leaders got together and were like, here's an idea, let's start our own bank. So they did, and got it up and running by January 1837. There were stockholders, the bank printed banknotes to be used as currency, it issued loans and hoped to turn a profit from the interest on those loans. It was a good idea that quickly hit a few snags. Figures. For example, they were unable to obtain a banking charter from the state legislature, which meant that the Kirtland Safety Society could not be an official bank. That wasn't a huge deal. There were other unofficial companies that operated like banks without a charter in Ohio at that time. So Joseph reorganized the bank into a joint stock company and called it the Kirtland Safety Society Anti-Banking Company. So they temporarily dodged that boomerang, but the bank soon had bigger fish to fry. One of those fish was a guy named Grandison Newell. This guy was really excited to see the Safety Society fail. He and others went around buying up as many of the Safety Society banknotes as they could, and then they'd go in to redeem all of those notes for cash, trying to drain the Safety Society of their reserve funds, hoping to force a shutdown, which is just a really lame thing to do. Lame, 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 lame! So after only being open for a few weeks, Sidney Rigdon stops redeeming the banknotes and temporarily closes the bank, which in turn causes the value of those notes to plummet, which in turn enables Grandison Newell to buy even more of them. Grandison Newell was also the mastermind of a lawsuit against Joseph and Sidney Rigdon for operating a bank without a charter and issuing unauthorized paper currency. Joseph and Sidney lost in court and had to pay a fine. Now this begs a very important question. Was the bank operating illegally? Well, the court said that the Safety Society broke a law passed in 1816. The problem with that is that there was a law passed in 1824 that called into question whether or not the 1816 law was still in force, because it certainly wasn't being enforced against many other institutions similar to the Kirtland Safety Society. In that same year, the Painesville Republican even published, it would be more in accordance with our notions of justice that even the Mormons should have a fair and impartial hearing before condemnation. The law of 1816 under which these suits are instituted has long since become obsolete and inoperative. And to top it all off, a later Ohio court did rule that while the 1824 act was in force, the 1816 act was suspended. So was it illegal? The court ruled that it was. The law suggests the court was probably wrong, and the decision was appealed but was never pursued. In any case, the Saints did their homework and had good reason to believe that the Safety Society was legal. As one researcher put it, although the organizers of this company used available legal counsel and followed accepted business practices, the venture was met with overwhelming difficulties and challenges on several fronts that were beyond their control. One of those difficulties beyond their control was the Panic of 1837, which was a nationwide financial crisis which caused banks all over the country to fail. Anyway, for many reasons, the Safety Society failed. People, especially Joseph Smith, lost a ton of money. But even more devastating than the loss of money was the loss of faith in the Prophet Joseph Smith. Kirtland fell into a serious apostasy. An estimated one-third of church leadership fell away from the church. Trusted friends were turning on Joseph left and right. While Joseph was out of town, there was a riot in the temple. A riot in the temple! I repeat things for emphasis. Emphasis! The failure of the bank really challenged the saint's paradigm of what a prophet of God should look like. People loved Joseph's spiritual direction, but... Okay, I got it. Again, I mention this every once in a while. Here's the deal with, with these little clips that they do. Um, 
when you take something that's very serious and then you lighten it by a comedic clip afterwards, it, it, it literally is a psychological uh, tool to make you go, oh, well, that's not such a bad thing. Um, when you have riots in the temple, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, that, there's something, something seriously wrong. And we're going to, I, I know where this kind of leads. And so I want to let him finish. And then I'm just going to kind of top it off with, with uh, biblical uh, wisdom and and then so we'll go. So I just had to every time I, I, I get through about 10, 15 of these videos and the little comic clips that they throw in there just irritate me. So I have to stop and say something. So there you go. There's uh, I can get through 15 more. But some people were offended by Joseph extending his influence into temporal matters. And some people had a hard time differentiating between what was coming from God and what was coming from Joseph. For example, at a conference held in September 1837, John Boynton said that he understood the bank was instituted by the will of God, and he had been told that it should never fail. Joseph Smith's response is instructive. President Smith then arose and stated that if this had been declared, no one had authority from him for so doing, for he had always said that unless the institution was conducted on righteous principles, it would not stand. There's no recorded revelation where God commands Joseph to start the bank, and if he did receive revelatory promises, they were conditioned upon the conduct of the people, which was not great, and you can read more about that in the description. The bank appears to just be a practical idea they tried out, and it failed. Latter-day Saints today understand that prophets are totally capable of making these kind of mistakes, so we don't consider the failure of the Kirtland Safety Society a huge issue. Now, there's a lot of stuff on this topic we didn't cover, some of it quite controversial. So if you want to know more, check out the links and notes in the description, and have a great day. All right, so um, with that, <clears throat> again, Joseph said that <clears throat> whether or not he was told by God to start this thing, personally, as I as we look at the history of Joseph Smith, now again, this is just my own speculation, looking at his history, I would not see why. Um, I would not have an issue with the fact that he probably did say um, that God told him to start it. That would that was how he got people to go along with all kinds of things that he did. It's how he got people to go along with polygamy. He literally threatened his own wife through God's revelation that if she did not allow him to engage in polygamy, that God would destroy her. You know, so so. It, it, it fits within Joseph's character to have said, God told me to do this. Um, I mean, it fits within God, Joseph's character that say God gave him a prophecy about a white horse and, and running for president. So all of those things fit into the character that is exhibited by Joseph Smith that falls outside of what the Bible mandates for an overseer or an elder or even a, you know, a pastor or a prophet would, should be a man who is above reproach, a man who is above reproach. Let me see if I can talk uh, while we do this. Um, speech is important in podcasting, uh, I've been told. So a man above reproach, um, the husband of one wife, um, you know, and again, sober-minded. I, I could, I could, I can't think of all the things, but uh, Titus and Timothy lay out the um, conditions of being an elder and Joseph Smith fails 
And this is another fel- And even if, again, if he didn't say God told him to do it, what did he say in response to this guy? That it would only stand if it was run on righteous principles. Well, Joseph, you're the man running it. You're the prophet. Shouldn't you be right, running it under righteous principles? If it's not running under righteous principles, aren't you ultimately responsible? And so would that not mean that you are working in a shady fashion and disqualifying yourself as a prophet of God? So all these little things, this, <clears throat> you know, the failed run for president, the, all these different things, when you take them into account, the, the white horse prophecy, the, the failed Kirtland Safety Society, I'm sure they're going to get into uh, more and more of the, the controversial things about Joseph Smith. Uh, being sued for money digging, <clears throat> excuse me, COVID, and so on. Uh, no, I don't have COVID. Uh, joke. And uh, so all these things are going to come up. But what they do when you take all these and you, you put them into uh, into context of the character of Joseph Smith, they ultimately disqualify him as a prophet of God. So you have to either say God changed his standards from when he laid it out in the uh, New Testament church where Paul expresses these things to Timothy and to Titus. This is what a, a leader in the church should look like. Um, unless God changed his mind on those, then Joseph is absolutely disqualified as a, as a prophet. And so that's what these things do is they just, um, you know, they're trying to explain them away. Oh, it's not such a big deal. The prophet can do, you know, leaders in churches can, can get into different endeavors. Absolutely. You know, I mean, if my pastor wanted to open up a Christian bookstore and Christian bookstores are notorious for failing in the state of Utah, if he were to do that, I mean, it would not be an issue of, of qualification but if he were to start doing things that were not, maybe not legal and, oh, it's a, well, it's kind of a gray area. Well, then you're working on disqualifying yourself. So the whole issue of whether or not this bank was legal or not or whatever, Joseph Smith put himself in a place where he was no longer a man above reproach. He is putting out the 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 personality that he is willing to engage in sinful or questionable activities to the whatever ends he, he wants it to to go to. So it, it, it takes him out. I mean, that's one of the very first things that I said. I probably should have had those scriptures uh, readily available, but I didn't because, um, again, I didn't watch the whole video, so I had really no idea where I was going with this. So, but one of the first things that is said is that a, an elder in the church, an overseer in the church, should be a man above reproach. Joseph Smith was not. Never, any time, from the beginning of, of his ministry till the moment of his death, never did we have a time where Joseph Smith was above reproach. He was always a questionable, you know, I call him a con man because that's what he was. He was absolutely a confidence man who uh, was running different cons on different people throughout his his tenure as prophet of of this uh, 
church. And I, and, and I make sure that I put all those things in parentheses because uh, he was not a prophet. He did not have a ministry. And what the, the at, at least at the beginning, it was not a church. I mean, I can look at the LDS church now and go, well, it's a, a pseudo-Christian uh, heretical offshoot of something. I, I no longer use the term cult for them at this point in time under Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. Absolutely, it was a cult. There was so much uh, brainwashing and, and, and leader control and all the, the, the things of a cult. It's now become a, a very much a recognized as just a religion. I mean, do people still try to exercise the control that they did back then? Absolutely. But it's not as widespread and so on. So I kind of back away from, from the word cult um, now. Um, and again, it's heretical. It's not true. It's not Christian. So I tend to call it just a, a heretical pseudo-Christian uh, society. We'll call it that because it's not a church. I don't think it's a church. There's a church is a specific. Words have meaning, folks. So there you go. Um, again, the, the failure of that and all these little things just kind of set up the dominoes to knock down Joseph Smith as a valid prophet of God. And so, again, I, I say to my LDS friend, if you're watching this, run. Get out of this church. It is a false church. It is a church that has nothing to offer as far as salvation or eternity. It is, it is nothing more than a facade for that wide path that leads to destruction. Uh, run. Get out. Find a good Bible-believing uh, Christian church. Get plugged in. Uh, get saved know who Jesus is, meet the true Christ, the creator of all things, um, not a created being birthed from a sexual union between Elohim and one of his uh, spirit wives. That is not who Christ is. Christ is God incarnate. He came to, to pay the penalty for sin. And if you will repent and put your trust in him, he can, uh, he is faithful to forgive you of those sins. Um, through his work and none of your own. So my Mormon friend, please get out. And my Christian brother, sister, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.